This is FinCast, the podcast from J2 Innovations, the creators of Fin Framework, an innovative software framework for smart buildings, smart equipment, and IoT. Hi, and welcome to this special episode of the FinCast. I'm Steve Randall, and as Haystack Connect is over for another year, we're going to speak to some of the team from J2 Innovations and Haystack to find out their highlights. My name's Gareth Johnson. I'm the Senior Cloud Architect for J2 Innovations. Hi, this is Scott Mench. I am VP of Customer Experience at J2 Innovations. Hi, John Petsy here. Um, my role with Haystack is Executive Director of the 501c nonprofit, and I'm also a co-founder and a partner in SkyFound. Welcome to you all to the FinCast. Now, Gareth, let's start with you. Um, let's talk about the big announcement made on the eve of Haystack Connect. Haystack Core. Yeah, um, Haystack is an open standard, and that means anyone can contribute to it. At J2 Innovations, we have come up with a new JSON encoding for Haystack, but we wanted to go a step further. We wanted to contribute some uh, some code. The code that we contributed is called Haystack Core. This code is used to work with Haystack data, and most importantly, work with the newest form of Haystack data. So. With Haystack Core, we have support for Haystack version 4, so in particular, DEFs. One of the reasons we wanted to contribute this is as standards grow, they grow in complexity. And as a standard grows in more complexity, it's really important that there are good reference implementations and there are things that enable software developers, application developers, application developers that we working with Haystack data, we working trying to solve problems like climate change and and other important factors and topics we have. And so, you know, having a, a good open source code base to work with is, is essential. It, it helps your understanding, it enables a greater accessibility for software developers. So it's our accessibility that we really wanted to enhance because of the extra complexity that you've got working with, you know, as the, as the standard gets more complex. The nice thing about making this open source is the fact that people can take that code and they can fork that code, they can customize it, they can add to it as well and submit those changes back. And so, you know, people can use this if they just want to take the code and, and use it commercially, they they can do so um, as well. Uh, but we're hoping to kind of foster some, some great collaboration there with these libraries. The libraries themselves, we've got the core Haystack model uh, in TypeScript, which is the very bare basics, bare minimum of what you have with working with the data model. And then in that as well, we've got uh, the DEFS compiler. So the new ontology that we have, it's a fancy word ontology, that's all part of Haystack Core. And then we've got a network client library as well. So you can make client network calls to Haystack servers. We've got uh, a units database. So you can, like, if you have a, a couple of numbers, if I multiply miles by miles, I'll get square miles. And it can deal with that. I can deal with converting Celsius, so I would know to, to Fahrenheit, what John would know <laughs> back again. So I probably need to write that code quite a lot, actually, because I can never remember it. And there's also a, a UI library called Haystack React for making user interfaces easy to use. So, you know, it, it covers a broad range of technologies. We think that will really help with working with Haystack data. Can you sort of explain more about your involvement in Project Haystack? Uh, anyone can contribute. So I don't really have like an official role. I've I literally, I've just joined projecthaystack.org. You know, I spoke to some other people um, on, on the forum and that, and 
created a working group before for the for the JSON encoding. Uh, I, I really like um, the practical simplicity of, of Haystack. Tagging data is a very natural thing for people to do, and the way you work with that data as well, there's a there's a great amount of simplicity there, and there's a lot of excitement around as well. There's lots of people contributing to it from many different industries, which is really fascinating. It's nice to contribute there. I think Haystack Core is a very big contribution, hopefully, but you know, we, we plan to contribute more as well. But I think the next kind of uh, phases of what we want to contribute will probably be based around tooling, because I think when you're working with uh, lots of this data, I think the tools are really essential. Haystack Core is part of those tools, but I think there's more to be done there. I'm creating uh, greatly enhanced tools to help navigate this world of data. And what, what was the specific focus of the two technical talks that you delivered at Haystack Connect? It was Haystack Core and the JSON encoding. And in both of those, we wanted to show how we could open up the data. I mean, that was the the big push behind it. So when when we gave those two talks, I specifically chose some technologies that, you know, hopefully were a bit different. When on the Haystack Core stuff, because it, we're using TypeScript, uh, TypeScript is a you know a code that can be compiled very easily to, to run in your, your web browser. And in fact, we actually loaded a code sandbox um, in in the browser that we were doing the demonstration from. And actually, that's a whole development environment. So any software developers watching that presentation and can still actually load up the code sandbox and start working with Haystack data there and then during the presentation. Um, with the uh, the JSON encoding, there was a similar premise as well. We showed the technologies, open technologies, technologies that didn't you didn't need to be like a, a super coder or understand any sort of anything too much to be able to do something with the data. But you could take that haystack data and use some technologies to create a graph or or, or create some web services, some basic things using off-the-shelf technology. And it was that opening up that we really wanted to show. Again, kind of lowering the bar and increasing accessibility to the data. And, and we chose those technologies around it. We didn't have too long. They're only like the, the presentations only about half an hour each. So, which is actually a good thing because I, I do drone on too much sometimes, but it was really good fun. And we're hoping that from those presentations, people will be able to take the content and then continue running with it. Well, so you don't feel that you're droning on now, Gareth, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring Scott in <laughs> and, uh, and talk uh, about his event highlights. Scott, what was the sort of the big thing for you? Uh, this event was was unique in a, a number of different ways. Uh, for sure, the kind of the pandemic and the virtual version of it created a, a very neat dynamic. Uh, we had a record attendance, which was fantastic, almost double our, our live attendance that we have in person. And over the years, the show has evolved. And one of my favorite things is what we call Pitch Fest. There's now products in addition to the technology, and it's worth really showing how Haystack is becoming pervasive in the world. And so PitchFest is kind of like Shark Tank, where you got 10 minutes to take and, and sell the audience on a product or a service or something that utilizes Haystack. And so uh, I was fortunate enough to participate in that and uh, pitched a, a product that J2 Innovations makes, which is called MicroBMS. And the idea was that this Part of the market of smaller buildings is very much underserved from a technology standpoint, yet contributes a huge amount to greenhouse gases and energy consumption. And so wouldn't it be cool if we could take haystack tags and by adding meaning to the data, have 
SQL software that could do things that would normally be very labor intensive done traditionally by, let's say, a, a programmer or an application engineer, but do it automatically behind the scenes. And so we went live in our 10-minute session and basically answered a couple of questions in, in the form of a wizard and effectively did a plug-and-play example of, um, of a convenience store coming online. And then at the end, we connected that uh, to the cloud and then uh, we're able to remotely access that site. And so the idea is that we have now, through Haystack and some great software, been able to bridge that gap to get more technology down lower into the food chain and uh, start to affect change in a positive way at that lower level. And so I guess, as, you, as you've mentioned, it's like Shark Tank or others will know Dragon's Den. What was the result? What was the feedback? It was really cool. Uh, we had a live chat session on the sidebar, and I got a couple of people say uh, and want to schedule appointments. So I guess from a marketing standpoint, you could say that it was a wild success. Okay, so that, that was obviously a key moment for you with your J2 hat on. But you also have a role as a board member of Haystack. Yes, indeed. Uh, going back to the very beginning, uh, uh, 10 years ago, um, as a community volunteer, uh, we all kind of pooled together and said, hey, let's collaborate and get behind this this open standard. And over the years, it became a little bit more formalized. We, we formed a, a nonprofit and we actually needed to create a, a board and a little bit of guidance. Uh, still a community at the end of the day, but still having uh, some structure to uh, satisfy some of the legal and financial ramifications. And so as a board member, it was really kind of neat to see the evolution of things and to see how we were able to step up uh, in the middle of a pandemic and have this event uh, in spite of not being able to be there in person. I think there's going to be some real positives that come out of it. Person, you couldn't be two places at once. So you either had to choose between the business or the technical track. And when we went virtual, we ran them uh, back to back so they weren't over the top of each other. And so for the first time, I got to sit through some of the technical tracks. And I can't say I, I understand all the syntax, but a lot of great concepts uh, came out of attending those technical tracks in addition to the the uh, general session and the business tracks. And I think we're going to see a, uh, a follow-on to this as well. Uh, the whole series has been recorded. And so this will become an asset. This will be part of the community that people can either revisit if they attended or visit virtually after the fact. And that's not something that we've always had uh, available to the community. So this is going to add some dimension and some depth and some continuity to the overall energy in the community itself. Excellent. Now, John, uh, let's bring you in and ask the same question, really. What were your highlights of the latest event? Well, yeah, I'll focus on a few here. First of all, the tremendous attendance, well over 850 people. That is, as Scott mentioned, uh, you know, substantial increase in the number of attendees. Uh, the next thing is is the momentum of the community, really, that, you know, is on display there with the uh, tools as uh Gareth mentioned, and others who presented tools, open source tools, uh, the progress of the working groups to continue to flesh out uh, ontologies for different types of equipment systems and devices uh, that are found in the built environment. Then there's the overall energy of people working with the standard. It's the most adopted standard for metadata in the built environment. And 
you know, a couple of reasons. One, we've been working at it a long time trying to solve this problem. And we've been doing it as a true open source initiative, right? I mean, there are a lot of companies who might put some software together and then release it as open source. This has been developed by a worldwide community for 10 years who are out in the trenches facing the challenges of making data interoperable. So the progress of the working groups, the growth in the ontology and the vocabulary, those are all highlights. And to see everybody come together with such high quality uh, presentations, you know, it was definitely a highly successful event. And you're executive director of Project Haystack, but also COO of Sky Foundry. Tell us about the open source contribution that your business has made. Yeah, since the early days, Sky Foundry has uh, contributed a huge amount of um, code technology reference implementations, both uh, in code format and document format to the organization to try to help to drive this forward. And, and the reason for that is, you know, we believe this, the challenges of making data truly interoperable. Um, are going to lift all boats, right, and unleash the market that will allow us to all have a more sustainable, more efficient future environment. So that's the why. But what we introduced at Haystack Connect was something that's called Haxel that happens to be named after a canal system in Richmond, Virginia, that enabled commerce to come together is a key point there, right? And what it is is it's open source software framework to streamline the building of IoT data products, products that are going to go connect to data, uh, whether it be hardware-based products, gateway-type devices, or software-based products. And we contributed a, a core subset of proven code that has been used in our commercial products for years to try to help the industry accelerate the development of products to connect to and acquire but also to add the tagging. So um, the goal with Haxel is it'll streamline the development uh, and reduce the cost of building data acquisition field devices and software. And it does this because it provides core software elements, again, that are proven um, and reliable so that people can more quickly build edge data acquisition functionality in their products. And a key part of it is that software framework also includes Haystack 4, definitions, the Haystack 4 engine, the compiler. So you can now build a device and capture current state-of-the-art Haystack 4 semantic tagging on the data you're bringing in from these diverse systems. So you can now basically pass fully modeled data up to higher level applications. And as Gareth mentioned, uh, Haystack Core was the big announcement made on the eve of the event. What impact do you think that specifically will have on the industry? Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to focus on that specific because it is actually um, pretty technical stuff. Um, I really think what we're seeing here, though, is the contribution of all of these tools, reference implementations, open source software, working group efforts. That's the impact on the industry, right? Uh, truly making it viable to get on board and make sure that your data is plug and play, that it has the necessary semantic descriptors. So whether you make a hardware device or software application, it can easily be integrated with. You bring up a good point uh, with the contributions. We had another big one uh, from Richard, which was called uh, Sparkplug. Yeah. yeah. And so really three big development contributions, open source announcements coming together during this conference. That's amazing. 
And this is on top of what was a schedule of haystack in practice of success story after success story of people that are already doing stuff with Haystack as it sits today. So it was really neat to kind of see that next generation of infusion of ideas coming in. It really sets up for a very interesting next Haystack Connect. Yeah, the stuff that Richard McElhinney submitted, you know, really, uh, you know, basically embedding the Haystack structure into the MQTT protocol, which is a very commonly used uh, protocol for pure IoT devices, right? That's a tremendous advance on its own. So all of these things basically serve different parts of the challenge of implementing uh, data-oriented applications, right? So if you're focused on MQTT, you're going to be very much interested in what Richard introduced with Sparkplug. If you're focused on uh, JSON, of course, the stuff with Gareth, if you're trying to build end devices to work with existing protocols and tag and pass on the data, then, of course, the Haxle um, contributions that we've made will be of interest. Great. Well, look, uh, John, Scott, and let's bring Gareth back in as well. What are your hopes this is for all of you, for the next 10 years of Haystack. It's been 10 years so far. It's been a journey. But what about the next 10? Who wants to take that first, John? Oh, sure. I'll take it first. Collaboration is the most important hope and the most important thing to do. Um, as the IoT has developed and new um, you know, ways of looking at building systems and equipment systems has developed, there's more and more need to have a standardized, descriptive framework, metadata, for device data. And I make the analogy, think about where the World Wide Web would be if we didn't have the HTML standard. We all publish our websites with HTML and nobody has to think about anything. No engineers have to get involved if I want to go and read your website. We need to accomplish the same thing with the data that comes from machines and devices. And that means collaborate around a standard that's extensible, which Haystack is, that can embrace all the different applications, which Haystack has proven. And so my greatest hope is that as uh, these fragmented efforts that are seen out there to address maybe specific siloed problems that were you know, identified by different companies, that everybody will bring that learning back into Haystack and continue to extend the standard just like we have for the last 10 years, taking input from the worldwide community of people involved in the challenge of working with machine and device data. Scott, do you want to pick up on that? Sure. Uh, My two favorite words are ubiquitous and open. And I really feel those are going to be what's going to enable that vision that everybody who has data that has a connected device it just naturally starts working and it's starting to bring value and there's not a lot of overhead to make that happen. So we need to get to that ubiquitous point in the world where smart devices can self-describe what they are and, and what they can do and they're open so that other applications can leverage that data. And as John said, the tide rises all boats. And so we're all better off as a world, as a community because of it. And Gareth? John and Scott have said it all. I guess to me personally, obviously that the collaboration is a, is a major important thing. So I, I think over the next 10 years, you know, if people are hearing this and they, they use Haystack data and, but maybe they have some of their own ideas. Um, I, I hope they come join in with the standard and contribute. There's already fantastic contribution. It'd be great to see even more. I think John was talking about HTML. I, I think that the web is massively important and the semantic web 
in particular is is critical because that's really where we we need to put more focus in going forward is making sure that um you know all this data can interoperate very well and the semantic web is essentially is a very important part of that. Great. Well, it's it's wonderful to hear the excitement that you've been fired up by the Haystack Connect event. All the recorded sessions are available at project-haystack.org. And, of course, you can find out more about the project and its aims there as well. Uh, John, Scott, Gareth, thanks very much for joining us on the Fincast. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically using your favorite podcast app. Copyright J2 Innovations, a Siemens company. Find us at j2innovations.com.